Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. You guys are live out there, like spunky a little bit there. So... Man, I'm excited each and every one of you here this morning. Man, God's just doing some really cool stuff this summer. He's really just been moving uh, in our youth group and our gatherings. And last week with Brian, man, like he brought the word, didn't he? Man, it was an awesome time together. Yeah, we got one clap for Brian. That's great. <laughs> Brian, if you're watching, there's thousands of people you can't hear clapping right now. <laughs> no, he's awesome. So, man, just really brought down the house. And uh, before I jump in, I just want to say a special shout out uh, to Andrew Taylor. Where's this guy? Is he? Oh, he's in the back. He's trying to run. Um, <clears throat> Well, today he turned 25, so he has done an incredible job. Uh, give it up for Andrew. She's trying to hide back there. So I expect some of you guys to beat him a little bit today as you get the chance to. Um, anyway, he's so proud of you, man. Thanks for all the work you do. I'm just, man, this guy was in my youth group. He was a little boy like this drumming, and we're like, man, he can't drum, but he can drum. And then he leads the team up here, and, man, he can lead a team, and it's an incredible job. So, man, I say I appreciate you. love you, man. I can't see you at all, but I know you're back there. Just do, do your thing. There you go. He's waving. Thank you. So anyway, love you, man. That's awesome. Quarter century old, so, you know, you're getting there. It's close. <laughs> Whatever. Long story. <laughs> I had a song for you, but I'm not going to sing it. It's not happy birthday, so. <laughs> if, if, come to youth group tonight. That's your plug. You'll hear it, maybe. Uh, anyway, we're so excited for this series, What the Church. It's really cool what we're doing, partnering with other spiritual leaders in the community. And next week, I'm really excited for what God's going to do. Uh, we have another pastor coming in, uh, Pastor Chris Pinion from LifeQuest Church, and he's going to speak here, and then I'm going to speak there at the same time, so we're just like switch thing, which can be awesome. And the coolest thing about the series is that we believe we're better together, amen? That we can partner with other Christians, other local churches, and we can make a bigger difference in our community and across the world. And so it's cool to see that. And uh, I'll say this, uh, for me and Chris to do this, I know this may not apply to everybody here, but it's really significant for the church. Uh, to, to church as a whole. Uh, for us to be so close as another church and switch, I'll put it this way, there's 90 churches that do what the church series in Kansas City. It's like a really cool thing, right, that they do this. And out of all 90 churches over the last 10 or 12 years they've done this, we're the closest two churches ever to do it. Isn't that crazy? Like, we're like, hey, we're willing to share, right? We're going to share well. Like, we're going to do what God's calling us to do. Like, we're going to put away our logos and our pride and all that stuff and say, hey, we're going to do what God's calling us to do. And if you're in leadership at church, this is unheard of. It really is unheard of. I don't know if you've been to church for a while. Maybe you have, but it's just unheard of. Can I say it's unheard of? Because it's all about the capital C church, amen? It's all about the kingdom. It's all about what Jesus is doing. It's the Jesus church. It's about Jesus. It's not about real life. It's not about life quest. It's not about new life cities, what it is. And so when we go to the worship night next week, uh, it's going to be a lot of life going on. You know what I'm saying? Got the real life, the life quest, the new life city. I mean, just all life everywhere. People getting saved. Diane's going to have a baby. There's going to be new life getting birthed on the stage. I mean, all this crazy stuff are going to happen. You got to come out, check it out. We've been joking if her water breaks on stage, like, what are we going to do? And I was like, you better finish the song, baby. And I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She told me, she goes, I've already talked to baby. Baby's staying in until due date. I was like, okay, well, you know, you talk to the baby. That's cool. I just, I'm a realist. You start hitting those high notes. I'm like, whoa, okay. <laughs> but I'm in the catching position down here. You know what I'm saying? That's not an accident. Anyway, I don't know where I'm going here, but um, <laughs> wow. Got that. Take out a tape. 
Anyway, tape. Who is tape? <laughs> I'm old. Anyway, so family night of worship, I want to encourage you to come out. Uh, it is a family night of worship, so your kids are with you. But uh, it's going to be about an hour long, and uh, we're going to rotate through three bands. It's going to be really, really cool. And at the end, we're having ice cream. Everybody's going to hang out and have a good time. And I'm just really excited to meet other Christians and see what they do. I'm excited for, for their leaders. It's just really awesome to show up and make a presence there. So I would encourage you to come out. It'd be a great way to end next weekend. We've got Serve Day, and then we have Chris Pinion here. We go over there. So it's just going to be a really power-packed weekend, just really making a difference in and through our city. So last week, what if the church taught? What if the church cared? And this was Brian Mason, and he honestly just preached the house down. Uh, he, he, uh, if you went first time last week and you came back this week, I've got a Brian Mason quote for you. It's called, gotcha, gotcha. And if, you're here last, if you don't get it, then you weren't here last week, and that's okay. We still love you. Um, but he did an awesome job tearing it up. And this week we were talking about what if the church shares to Kansas City? What if we share? What if we make a difference and share at Kansas City? So last week, this is a special week for me. Uh, we had, I celebrated my 11th wedding anniversary. Uh, so married nine, 11 years Friday. Jerry told me I was a very lucky man. I said, yes, I am. Yes, I am. Uh, and her birthday was yesterday. So anniversary Friday, birthday yesterday. So if I forget this weekend, I'm, I'm in trouble. You know what I'm saying? Like every guy is like this nightmare. But I haven't forgot it yet. Okay, and if I do, I'll never forget it again, I'm sure. And so I'm just trying not to be that guy. But I want to start with a couple family pictures. So uh, this is one of my pictures. This is my little boy up here, and uh, he is like the cutest thing ever. First time we ever did his hair, because that's the kind of parents we are. Um, but dude, I, I, lo I love this baby. Uh, my cousin once told me, she goes, how's something so cute come from you? I was like, dude, come on now, like father, like son. That's yeah, all the mom, all mom. Uh, so check out, we got another picture up here. I'm probably kind of the way. Yeah, he's just, I mean, oh, dude, I love this boy. I know you, like, you've seen me play with Jay. I just absolutely, like, eat this guy up. And he's, like, an adrenaline junkie, and uh, he gets it from his mom. And, uh, but anyway, next picture. I don't know if you ever felt like this in your life, but this is what this, welcome to real life, right? It's like, man, this kid. And he, you notice he's smiling all the way through, like, every piece of this. Like, he's eating up. Like, this is what he lives for. And he's just a wild man. He's like Jack Jack the wild man. He is, he's like adrenaline. I mean, you don't need to give the kids sugar. You don't give the kids sugar. Jerry, stop giving my kid sugar. Just kidding. Only way to I like it. But, dude, he loves, he loves to drive everything. So, like, I put him in my truck, and he's steering it. And, I mean, not down the highway or anything, but... No, but the boat, he like he gets in my boat, and the first thing he does is just slam the throttle down. He doesn't know what the button does, but he's like, dude, we're going to go fast, like slam. And everything he does is just kind of crazy. It's like over the top. And so uh, this last week, Diane bought a uh, kind of like a trash truck, like a little toy trash truck. It had been sitting in the closet forever because we like, you know, hide our toys from our kids kind of people. And um, anyway, so he gave it to him, and he was so upset because the door wouldn't open because it was just all one piece. And he was trying to get in, like, you know, play with the parts and stuff. And I'm like that guy. It's like, dude, we've got to cut a door in this for my kid, you know? Like, dude, this is upsetting me because he wants to really get in there and do something. I was like, we just got to upgrade our toys. And if you think about, like, who we are as parents, right, we love our kids, right? Like, we want the best for our kids. We want to make a difference. Like, we believe Jack's going to be a world changer, right? Like, he's going to do something crazy for God. And then, you know, 10,000 diapers later, you're like, yes, he's going to be a world changer, Jesus. Wiping this butt crack for Jesus, you know? I mean, you're just like, you just keep doing it. Like, I keep loving, keep going. But we believe we're blessed to be a blessing. And I want him to go further and faster and farther than I ever did. That I ever will. More people be changed from his story and his life than I could ever imagine. And that's our heart for our kids, right? And so for us, like, what if the church blessed our neighbors like we bless our kids? Like, what if we went out and said, hey, I'm going to bless somebody else besides my kid, my family, the people I'm so close to and I love. I'm going to just take it upon me. I'm going to take the mantle and say, I'm going to bless my neighbors. Um, you know, you want your neighbors to go further and faster and farther than you did. You want your neighbors to know Jesus. And uh, any grandparents in the house? I know we at least got one. Any other grandparents up here? All right, so why do you love your grandkids? Why do you love your grandkids? 
So you give them back. You said, I think you said it before. <laughs> you love them because you can, right? Like, so Jerry and Leanne, they take, the, they take Jack out and go to the Royals game, and they start feeding him, like, 15 hot dogs. He keeps eating everything. He just goes crazy. He loves it. But you spoil your grandkids, right? Like, you just love them because you can. You just love them because you can't. They're humans. And you're like, man, I, this is just the fruit of the labor. This is just a blessing upon blessing. And so you give back everything you can to your grandkids. And I just want to say we serve today. Like, we share Jesus because we can. Like, we do what God calls us to do because we can do those things. We're not obligated to. We don't do it because we feel guilty. We don't serve because I feel bad and everybody else is doing it. Like, we serve because we can. It's just who we are. It's in our DNA to love people unconditionally. I even go as far as to say that the unconditional love inside of each of our hearts needs no other conditions than the fact that people are real, that we love them. Amen? Like, we just love people because we love people. There's no prerequisites. There's no, they add up to a certain standard. They did a certain thing. There's something in it for me. And it's so easy in our world to hate, right? So easy to judge. It's so easy to just shut the door and, like, look out and say, man, who's creeping on my house, right? Like, there's that sound outside. Like, we kind of isolate ourselves from everybody. It's kind of our nature in America to be so focused on ourselves. It's easy to get bitter. It's easy to get judgmental. It's easy to become isolated. It's easy to love from a distance, amen? I love you, neighbor. Stop blowing your clippings in my, my street, but I love you. Like, what's your name again? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot. What's his name? Like, we love so, so far away. We don't have a very intimate style of love. But what if we love like Jesus? Like, what if we didn't expect conformity, but we appreciated diversity? Like, what if we love people that, like, didn't look like us, who didn't talk like us, who didn't walk like us, who do things different than us, who may have made mistakes worse than us? Maybe they didn't make mistakes as bad as us, but we just learned to love people. What if the church is full of unconditional love, bless people simply because... We can, because we can. We can, right? Can we say we can? We can. We can do this. I believe we can do this. You guys can do it because Jesus put in our heart. We can do this. And so Jesus teaches a parable about how to love our neighbors. I want to check it out. It's found in Luke chapter 10, verse 25. We'll start out there. This is the parable of the Good Samaritan. You might have heard it. If you haven't heard it, it's a pretty famous one. But it starts verse 25. It says this. It says, one day an expert in the religious law, just like a lawyer, he stood up to test Jesus. Those will stop there. So test Jesus. Um, not a good idea. That's all I got to say about that. If you're going to test, test Jesus, this is not a good person to test. But still have to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? So, well, you're an expert. Like, you already know the answer. Like, Jesus is smart enough to know this, right? You tell me. Well, you're the expert. Tell me. So the man answered, you must love Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right. Good job, man. Jesus says, uh, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? I mean, who really is my neighbor? I mean, is that person really my neighbor? Are those people really my neighbor? I mean, the crazy lady in the cubicle next to me, really? The person that's talking about the divorce nonstop and it's driving me insane, is that my neighbor? Like, the person who lives in a different social economic status, is that my neighbor? Like, really, these people? And it's really curious when you look at this text that the word neighbor there actually doesn't mean neighbor. It doesn't mean all people. It just means Jewish people. So here's this man who's a lawyer who's Jewish, and he says, hey, who's really my neighbor? Like, I know my Jewish people like our neighbors, but no way other people are my neighbors, right? Like, who really is my neighbor? And so this is kind of a little piece on how not to love your neighbor is kind of how it starts out, you know? But Jesus is going to answer his question about how to love him, but this guy's doing a terrible job. And so the problem with the lawyer is that he had a religious mentality, his focus was on himself. His goal was to outsmart Jesus. That was his first goal, which I'm just going to tell you is not a good goal, right? <laughs> like, that may not work. It's not going to work for anybody. But he tries to outsmart Jesus, and Jesus just says, hey, just go ahead and tell me what you think. You're so smart. So he says, oh, he knows the Bible. Like, this guy's educated. So he tells me the verse, I love your heart, love all your heart, soul, mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor yourself. And so this is why I say religious people have the right head, 
they have the wrong heart, amen? They didn't know the right answer. Like, you know, you maybe grew up in church and you may have heard the verse. You may have memorized the verse. You may have got your Timothy Award. If you know what that is, then you, you definitely got it. Um, that's all the way making it through the WANA program. Uh, you've made it through all the books and everything. Uh, you memorize every single verse and everything. And so you're like, got all the knowledge, but then you don't have the right heart. You're not obedient. And so religious people have the right head, but not the right heart. They want people to, to they, want to, they don't want to love and serve like Jesus wants to. They just want to know about loving and serving. They want to know about the Bible. They don't really want to know about the Bible. And so it's not about obedience. It's about loving from distance. They want to, they want to share the gospel. You ever been in the church? Like, man, you got to share, you got to share out of duty. It's like, man, I gotta, just got to do this. God's kind of put my heart, but I, I got to do this. Like, I've got to fit in. This is what the preacher said. Man, but it's not what God wants, right? Like, he wants you to do it with the right heart. He wants you to be served because you believe, in, you, you believe in people. You care about people. You love unconditionally. And so it's interesting the lawyer asked the question, who's my neighbor? But this word was all about himself. Like, who, who are these neighbors you talk about? Like, it surely couldn't be the Samaritan people or the people across the tracks, right? Like, we don't love people across the highway, right? Like, highway, <laughs> divide. Like, how, how do we love people? What's God asking us to do? And so his problem is he selectively served. Really, who's my neighbor? Like, we pick people, right? Like, there's people in our cul-de-sac. I live in a cul-de-sac. And some people are like, dude, you're my neighbor, you know? Like, you're cool. You have a bonfire. Like, we can hang out, you know? And there's other people like to do push-ups in my drive, like, under their driveway. And you're like, you're not my neighbor. Like, you're showing me bad right now. And like, there's no way. Like, we don't even park in front of his house. We're like, dude, this guy's going to not be happy. And then you got guys that are like, I'm going to go back to prison. I'm not afraid to go back to prison. And you're like, you are my neighbor, but that scares me, you know? And then we got a guy that's in a lookalike kiss band, and you're like, dude, you're my neighbor. That's cool, but don't wear that outfit around my child. That's going to scare him a lot. He's going to be scarred for life. And then we got the nice older lady next to me, and she's like, oh, she's my neighbor. And, but we, we, we pick, right? Like, these are my cul-de-sac people. But what about the other people that we're just not the same with? Like, there's people that have a different political view. Maybe there's a different, like, social economic status. Maybe they have different views of the Bible, right? I mean, that'd be crazy that we'd actually love somebody that maybe believes something different than us. That'd be a little crazy. Uh, maybe the people that, like, really, like, I suppose I love the people on the 5th of July that shoot off fireworks at 1 o'clock in the morning. Like, those my neighbors. You, anybody? Was that you? No. That was you, wasn't it? Don't lie. I know Scott Germain was lining up over there in Ramore. No, he wasn't even in town, probably. But, uh, anyway, but those are your neighbors, right? We're called to love every single person. This guy made the mistake of selectively serving. It was all about conformity. It was all about serving people that looked just like him. It wasn't about diversity. And I don't know about you, if you read the Bible, if you walk into church and everybody looks like you and talks like you and walks like you, I don't know what gospel you're reading, but it's not the one in the Bible. That's not the one in the Bible. The Bible talks about all nations, all ethnos, all tongues, all people, all tribes are going to gather around the throne of God. The church shouldn't look just like we look like. It's so easy to love people that are just close to us. But it's very hard to love our neighbor. And we talk about this idea of what the church would have loved KC. Like, what if we really loved Casey? What if we really loved somebody that is down the street? Like, what if we stopped and made a difference? So the question is really simple. Who is my neighbor? And I'm not really sure. He, Jesus is what the guy asked Jesus, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, he didn't really want the answer. You know what I mean? Because Jesus is about to give him an answer that's not going to make him very happy, but he didn't have any choice to admit that he's right. And so Jesus tells this amazing prayer about neighboring and gives a clear insight to why and how we serve and bless and love. And so Jesus answered the question, who's my neighbor with this reply? Verse 30, Jesus replied with a story, a Jewish man, just like you, the lawyer, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. He was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and left him half dead beside the road. And by chance, just by happen chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed the other side of the road and passed by him. A temple assistant walked over, looked at him lying there, and he also passed by the other side of the road. And then a despised Samaritan came along. 
And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to the inn, and where he took, him, where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver, coins, two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now Jesus asked, Which of these three would you say is the neighbor to the man who attacked the bandits? The man replied, The one who showed mercy. Then Jesus said, Yes, now go and do the same. And so today I just want to give you like some practical points on how do we serve. What is Jesus telling us in this parable? What, what's in it? Like what, what's the truth for us today? Like what does this make a difference? What is Jesus really telling this religious leader? And so there's some practical ways to apply how do we serve and share Jesus. Number one is this. We recognize that interruptions are our ministry. We recognize that interruptions in our life are our ministry. It just says by chance. Just by chance that these three people walking down the road, you had, you had the, the pastor of the church walking down the road just by chance. You had the, the, really the, the staff member, the Levite, the temple worker. And then you had the Samaritan. Just all by chance they're going down that day. They all had things to do. They all had busy schedules. You guys got busy schedules, right? But I look at your calendar and there's like no extra time. And there's no way. It's always like, man, too busy. And so the two, the Levite and the, the religious people, the Levite and the, the priest, they didn't have time to stop. They saw him. They walked over and said, Wow, that's terrible. And then went back to the other side of the road and kept going. And, it, and, you know, I think about this, and I think how easy it is for religious people to even abandon their own. I don't know if you've seen that happen, but a religious person, even their own Jewish person in the ditch, they're like, man, I know how you got in the ditch. You know, you've been there. If you had made better choices, you wouldn't be in the ditch. I told you a thousand times not to travel this road by yourself. You can hear this, the mentality of the religious leaders. And they said, hey, I don't have time for this. Like, yeah, this is not, this is a dead end. I got more important things to do today. The non-religious leader, the Samaritan, the person who doesn't lead the cause for God, the person who doesn't know the Bible, maybe not even saved in the scripture. It says this person saw someone totally different than himself. He, said, he saw something and he made a difference. He stopped and he helped that person. I want to submit to you that the Samaritan remember, remember, remembered something. Man, I can't say that. The Samaritan remembered something when he saw the person in a ditch. Now, I think this is really, really important and insightful to this passage. The Samaritan, when he saw the person in a ditch, he remembered something. He remembered what it was like to be in the ditch, amen? Like, he remembered what it was like to be hopeless, you remember what it's like to be, to be left for dead, to, live, to be in a situation where you just can't do it on your own. You ever been there before? We've all been in the ditch, amen? We've all been in a spot in our life where we needed somebody's help. We've all were left hopeless, we were, and the power of sin was pressing our life, and the power of Jesus saved us from our sin. There's no way we can get out of that ditch, amen? And so when we see people, we're like, hey, I've been there. Like, I haven't been in your situation, but I know what it's like to be by myself. I know what it's like to be hopeless. I know what it's like to be abandoned. I know what it's like for somebody not to be there for me. I know what it's like when everybody looks at me and does nothing. I know what it's like. And so the Samaritan, who knows nothing about God, stops because of unconditional love for people. Amen? And that's what God's calling us to do, is to stop and help people. I'll submit to you that we are called to care about people just because we can. You know, Samaritan recognized something deeper. He didn't see skin color. He didn't see social status. He didn't see any of these exterior things. He saw the soul of somebody who was struggling, and he helped him out. And so for us, like, when you look at this, our interruptions are our biggest opportunities. Maybe you got a phone call this week, right? You got a phone call maybe from your kid. Maybe your kid's off in college, and you haven't talked to him in a while. Maybe your family's kind of falling apart, and you're dealing with a lot of stress at home. Maybe there's a sickness or an illness that's unexpected, and you were on this page, and all of a sudden God's moving to this page, and it's a total interruption to your life, right? Like, we've all been there. We've all had things completely change on us. Maybe uh, for you, we got a foster kid situation, right? Like, where the phone rang, and it's like, hey, uh, I've got an opportunity if you make a difference. You're like, okay, well, I was planning on being single for the next 10 years. 
Um, but yeah, okay, God will take in some foster kids. Uh, there's an interruption that God is going to use in your life. You got the lady next to you at work that just complains and complains and complains, and you're kind of at the point now you show up like an hour early because you know you're going to hear it for an hour, so you're like, I got to work. And, and you're like, man, that's, a, that's an interruption that God is going to use. Maybe you're struggling through a divorce, and it's just totally unexpected, and you're flying by night, and it's just like, man, this is not the life I had planned, but it's an interruption God's put in your life. You know, it's so easy to travel down the highway and even our own town and see a homeless man or woman holding or flying a sign, they call it. And they go, uh, I know how you got there. And we've all done that, right? But I'm going to tell you something. We can make a difference, though. Like, not everybody is just doing that. And so we can just pour out. We can give back. And, you know, so many different philosophies on how to help people. But we've got to do something, right? Like, we can't just go, oh, man, that sucks. I feel bad. But we make a difference for somebody's life. You know, we talk about serve day. We get to go out and just make a difference and serve people who need the gospel. People are making the biggest difference for community. We can sign up and say, hey, I'm going to make a difference. Like, does it interrupt your schedule? Yes, you know, like you're going to have to block out four hours, block out five hours. Like it's going to interrupt you, but, you know, the interruptions are your ministry. I love the interruptions. Like in our, in our work, like you kind of plan out to have interruptions. Like I just know, like if I don't get it done by noon, it's not going to probably get done because the rest of my day is going to get interrupted, right? And so we plan to have interruptions because that's what God wants us to do. We kind of, like this church, we look for every excuse we can to connect with people. Does that make sense? Like, we're like, man, that person's struggling. Okay, I'm going to try to connect them. That person visited. Okay, how do they visit? Who they are they? How they? Okay, yeah, let's connect them. Let's love on them. When every person feels like the only person who came on a Sunday. Like, that's our goal. We want to love people. Maybe it's a missions trip. This happens so many times. We, we talk about a missions trip, and no matter who you talk to, it's always like, oh, man, I have the money, and the, I can't get the time. And I'll encourage you, like, man, when God's put on your heart to do something for him, to serve, especially on a trip, like a missions trip. If you've never been on a trip, especially for you. Um, but when he puts it on your heart, don't go, ah, interruption, I had this other thing. Man, do it, because I promise you, God's going to shape and change your heart from the inside out. I can't tell you, I'll go back to moments in my life that God used and defined me and told me who I was, and I began to believe myself and believe in God deeper because of trips like that. But I had to give the interruption, amen? I had to be willing to be disturbed. Like, I had to be a little knocked off kilter. And so God's going to use interruptions in your life. And so the second thing is this, that God's calling you to the other side of the road. It's real simple, that we should break down cultural barriers. We should break down social economic statuses. It's not going to be popular to bless and serve every person, to bless and serve the least likely and the least likely of places. You know, who's the person that you would think God's never going to use? Now, I know somebody came to mind, and it shouldn't be your mother-in-law, you know what I'm saying? Like, somebody came to mind, and you're like, man, God's never going to use my neighbor's kid. He's so crazy. I got these party friends next door, and they throw parties every Friday night, and I'm so mad they're throwing parties, and then God's never going to do something with them. Like, we have these people, right? And I want to challenge you to go to the least likely place in your life and serve them. Go to the least likely place you think God's going to move and see what God will do when we love people there. You know, God's placed your neighbors, your coworkers, uh, your gym buddies, if you, if you go to the gym, you've got some gym buddies. God's placed these people, your family, your friends, even your enemies, your delivery truck driver. He's placed them there all on purpose. We actually had so much delivery from our church when we launched. The delivery truck driver actually came to our launch day. Like, it was like, hey, you should come out to church. Like, oh, okay. And the next 50 times I saw him, right, it was like, hey, thanks for bringing my church. He's like, I've got to go check out why I delivered, man. Like, this is crazy. And so he came to church, and he loved it. He actually gave the first day he came here. I was like, wow, that's really crazy. I mean, and so you make a difference. Like, every person in your life is a ministry for you. And so God's put every person there on purpose. And so my challenge today is cross the road for all people. Cross the road for all people. And I would say as church in general, we should be leading the way for crossing the road for all people. But so many times it doesn't happen that way. 
So many times churches, and this is almost a shameful fact, and I'm just going to like throw it out there for you. Um, but I was, and maybe we'll, a way of illustration, but I'm a part of a group, a church planting group in Kansas City called New Thing. And there was about 60 of us in a room. Okay, and we're gathered together, and there's a speaker that kind of started a new thing all across the United States and the world. It's a giant movement, giant organization. He came in town, and he's speaking to us. I'm like, man, this is really great. This guy is phenomenal. His, his information is powerful. It's life-changing stuff. And so they interviewed him and said, hey, is there anything else you'd like to share with the group? Um, maybe it's something on your heart. Maybe it's, uh, it could be hard. It could be easy. It could be whatever. If there's anything that you want to share just as we wrap up? I'm thinking, that's a really good question to ask, you know? Like, I'm going to use that someday. And this guy, he throws a bombshell. I mean, absolute bombshell. And there's two things he said. He said, one, he says, you're trying to reach a thousand, you're trying to start a thousand churches in 10 years in Kansas City. And you're doing a great job at it. There's like 26 church plants already in like three years. So it's really awesome. Yeah, this clap, I like that. Jared, love you. But you want to you launch all these other churches in the next 10 years. And he looks around the room and he says, hey, where's the black people? Where's, where's the Somalians? Where's the Hispanics? Where's the other groups? I was like, oh, wow, we just got pimp slapped right there. Like, that was deep. I'm looking around the room because all of us are 60, there's 60 of us, and we're all white people, all white pastors. And he says, hey, where's the women? Because we're all men. I'm like, man, wow. We, did, we just got told right there. And I'm, I know all of us are like, dude, we right. You're right. We've got to do a better job at reaching people who don't look like us. We've got to partner with people who are different than us. And it's not different like in a bad way. It's just different. We've got to reach more people. If we're going to reach Kansas City, and for us, if our church is going to reach all the people that God's called us to reach, then we've got to cross the road. Amen. We've got to cross the road. Like, we can't say, oh, man, with all these things in the past. Like, oh, you don't, you're, you're what? Like, oh, you're, your political view is this? Oh, you think that? Oh, you do things different than me? Like, all of a sudden, that stuff doesn't matter. All of a sudden, we got to partner with people to do more for the kingdom. And I would say that our church, the church, the church, should be leading the way in racial reconciliation. Amen? I mean, the, the world should go to the church and go, hey, that, they figured it out. Like, the world should be looking at us going, man, the, the church knows how to get along with people. The church knows how to love people. The church knows how to care about people that are different than them. The church is not about all of these different cultures and these little things. The church is about Jesus. And they know how to love people different than them. So we've got to cross the road. Like people are looking to us and saying, you're the example. You do it. And I think it's a shame if you go to a church and it's like homogenous, you know. It's like, man, like that's crazy. Like because Jesus died for everybody. And so we got to love people differently. And I would encourage you, like who we serve is who comes, Amen. Like, when we serve people, they're like, oh, man, they, they see us, and they say, man, thank God for you, and they start coming to church. Everybody has a story. Every story of a person that comes here, and we're writing those stories as we live it out. And so I would encourage you, like, take the step to go across the road. I don't think it's intentional. Like, I don't think we do it intentionally. I don't think we intentionally, like, don't like people. I just think it's so easy. It's comfortable. And we got to do things uncomfortable to do what God wants us to do. Amen? Amen. And so we lead the way. I would say this also takes heart. It doesn't only take crossing the road. It doesn't take just living for the interruptions and seeing opportunity, but it takes the heart. And it says, it says this. Um, it says the priest saw the man and walked the way to the other side. So the temple, he, temple uh, servant saw the man in the ditch and walked to the other side. But the Samaritan, the good Samaritan, he saw something different. He saw something not with his head, but he saw with his heart, and he felt compassion. He felt compassion. He felt compassion. Martin Luther King said this. Martin Luther King Jr. said this. said, I imagine the first question the priest and Levi asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? What will happen to me if I cross the street? 
Like, what happened to me? Like, I'm busy. Like, I got things to do. Like, am I going to get sucked into this? Am I going to have to take this person in? Like, how much time is it going to take? Is this going to cost something? Like, I don't have this much money. Like, I can't afford to put money in. Like, is this going to take a day? Is this going to take an hour? Like, what's this going to take? But by the very nature of his concern, the Good Samaritan versus the question, Martha King says this, if I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? What will happen to him? And at the heartbeat of a church, the heartbeat of God is other people, Amen. It's just at the heart of God. And so for us, like as we serve people, we get, we get the opportunity to go out and serve day and say, I want to be a blessing to you. I want to serve you. I want to give to you. I want to make a difference in your life because I want to help you because I believe in you. Like, I don't know what's going to happen to you if I don't step in. Like, I feel obligated. Like, God's put on my heart to make a difference. And thank God Jesus served us. Amen. That Jesus laid down his life and he came to the worst neighborhood in the universe. He came to earth. He came into my backyard. He came into my life, and he pulled me out of the ditch, and he helped me see with new eyes and live with a new heart. And so for us, like, we just serve because Jesus gave us that heart to serve, amen? And so we want to take that to all roads, to all people. There's not a person who doesn't need the gospel. No one's disqualified it. You know, for us, we believe in, in really leading people, and this is what it looks like for us on our team. Uh, we have one-on-ones with our leaders every single month, and uh, we, we meet, obviously, other times than that, but we do one-on-ones with our leadership. So I'm meeting with our top-level leaders and saying, hey, how are you doing? You know, what, how can I pray for you? What problems are you facing? But it starts out real simple. How are you doing? And I know it's crazy, but we actually have to care about that question, Right? <laughs> Like, if you lead an organization, if you work with people, it's so easy to be like, hey, how are you doing? Oh, that's cool, man. Hey, I need you to da 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 right? But imagine the difference we'd make just in our own lives if we stopped even to our own spouse and said, hey, how you doing today, babe? How you doing? I, made, I make an effort every time Diane goes to work because I know she's, like, struggling. You know, she's, like, super pregnant, right, and on her feet and doing stuff. I call her all the time at work. How you doing, babe? I'm doing all right, I'm doing good, you know. Like I, try, I try to make a difference because I know, I know I'm there for them. It makes a difference. And so your neighbors, you imagine going to your neighbors and ask them, man, how you doing? And just listening. Sounds like that a lot, right? It's like awkward. You're like, man, I'm not really interested in this. And all of a sudden, I'm start being interested in what you're talking about. And all of a sudden, they're like, man, we're best friends. It's like your best friends because you cared, right? Your best friends because you ask a simple question. How are you doing? How are you doing? You guys do that very often? Your spouse, like, it's hard for me to go down the street and be like, how you doing, man, how you doing? Like, I'm busy, right? But we make time for that. We make time for our family. We make time for our neighbors. But it would be really cool if we intentionally found somebody new this week, if we intentionally found somebody in our street, somebody in our neighborhood, somebody that's on our heart, and just started pouring in their life. It would be amazing how many people in this church are desperate for somebody to say, I believe in you. I believe in you. I remember growing up, and there was a man in my life that said, hey, I believe in you. And I'm like, Really? Why? Like, I don't even believe myself, you know? Like, you believe in me? But, okay, well, I guess I'll start doing what you're doing because you believe in me. It's actually cool. And all of a sudden, I start getting self-confidence because somebody's pouring into me. And so I want to encourage you to have the heart of compassion for people, to be willing to pour into somebody else. You know, this is the point, have open hands. You know, Samaritan represented somebody who may not know Jesus. Isn't that crazy? The Samaritan leader, because he doesn't know Jesus, but as a leader in this moment, has the heart of compassion that the leadership of the religion didn't even have. So even the world itself knows that it's acceptable that we care and love people. You don't even have to know the gospel to love people, amen? It's amazing how people in my family that don't know Jesus, and you would think they actually know Jesus because of the way they live their life, but they don't know Jesus. Because the world understands what it's like to love and to serve people because God's put in a heart to love people unconditionally, amen? The Samaritan who didn't know God, who was the least qualified, love people. I want you to do something real quick. I want you to put your hands out like this, which I can't do with the microphone, like a little bowl. 
You can look a little bold for you. And some of you guys are like this. I love to care about people. And we get into situations all the time. Like somebody, somebody ran to is going through hardship. And you're like, I don't have the right answers. You know, somebody's reaching out to you. You're like, oh, there's a counselor. And we have all these ideas, but we don't feel qualified, right? We don't feel qualified to lead. We don't feel qualified for what God's called us to do. And I just want to encourage you that you are qualified. And so just think about this. I want you to fill up your little bowl with some stuff here to see if you're qualified. One is this. Have you had a setback in life? You can be like that, a setback, dump it in, right? Like we've all had a setback in life. Have you gone through something difficult? Have you gone through maybe a struggle in your marriage? <laughs> we got one person there. I like that. But you go through a struggle in your marriage, a struggle with your kids, right? Like we've all been there, so you can pour it in. Like you've lived that out. Maybe you had a rough season. Maybe, maybe you learned to take bigger step of faith over time. Maybe you took a step of faith and it just fell apart, and so you can just fill it up. Maybe you learned to take control of your finances. Maybe your finances were like, way over here, and you're like, you know, living barely paycheck to paycheck, and you're like, man, I've struggled with my finances. You can just put that in the cup. Like, all these things in your life that you're like, man, I'm not qualified. Dude, God's qualified you. Like, maybe you had an addiction. Maybe you're addicted to pornography. Maybe you're addicted to some other thing. Maybe it's a drug. Maybe it's alcohol. And maybe you broke through that. Maybe you're struggling with it. But God's using your story. And so I would encourage you, take your little bowl right here and just pour it out. Just pour it on the person next to you. Like, hey, it's a blessing, blessing. Like you have these experiences, right? You have things to offer other people. And I encourage you, don't see yourself as somebody who's not qualified to love somebody. Don't see yourself as somebody who can't do it. Like you guys can do it. You guys have been there. Like I love learning from people. Every time I get around somebody, I learn something. I see their story. And I'm like, man, but you take your cup, you pour in my life. I'm like you believe in me. And so I can do something because of that. Amen. Like, I, I, can, I can be different. And when I was in high school, as a man said, I believe in you. I'm like, why would you believe in me? He's like, because of my whole 20s, I live for myself. And I see a lot of you in me, and I want you to do the same thing and screw up your life. So I'm going to pour my life on you and hope you don't screw it up. I'm like, okay, well, that makes good sense. That was pretty blunt, but that's what he did. And I thought, okay, I'm going to live for that. And so for you, like, you can make that difference just pouring into people. It could be your neighbor. It could be a, a friend next door. It could be a kid in your neighborhood. It could be someone in your team. But just do it. Just pour out your life and, and pour it out to somebody else. Last thing I say is this, you earn the right to be heard and then you boldly share. We live in a way where people want to binge watch your life. Like just serve people. Like, like here's the illustration. Your Samaritan picks the guy up out of the ditch, puts him on a donkey, and they travel for how long? 11 and a half miles from Jerusalem to Jericho. And so an 11 and a half mile trip with this man, which took more probably than an hour, right? It's serving. The whole trip, he gets to tell him about why he did what he did. He earned the right to speak to him, Amen. He served him when he needed the most and said, you know, man, Jesus did it to me. I mean, I was safe for so much. I'm just another beggar showing another beggar where the food is. But Jesus changed everything. And everybody's walking by. You can imagine down this road because it's highly traveled, right? I'm like, what's, what's this Samaritan doing with that Jewish guy on a donkey? That guy's never supposed to talk. Like, they're not even supposed to be on the same side of the road. Like, what's going on? Why, why is he doing that? All the way down the road, people look at him and goes, hey, dude, I'm not any better than anybody else. God changed my life. God did something for me. I just care about people. Maybe we love people. All of a sudden, they're like, dude, I want to be part of whatever he's doing. I want to be part of what, where, where is he going? What's God doing in his life? Where's God making that change at? Dude, I want to know God because of him. And for you, who are you carrying, amen? Who are you putting on the donkey and saying that cost you something? Because I'm telling you something, following Jesus always has a cost, amen? And you're known by that. And if you're not pouring out to somebody, you're not bleeding a little bit, it's not getting a little dirty, I'm going to kind of encourage you. You're probably not doing what God's calling you to do. Because when you take in foster kids or you start a church or you ask somebody to come to church, it takes courage, it takes faith. You start carrying the weight of people's hearts and you see them, you say, man, I have compassion for them. You start carrying, people start looking at you as a leader, 
not because you're trying to be a leader, because you're serving. And I would encourage you just to serve and to serve and to serve. And when you serve, you get the right to share because you wanna share Jesus. It's not about like having some trick play and going down Romans Road or all these other stuff in the Bible. It's really about having somebody who's willing to listen to you. If you wanna get their ear, then change their heart, right? Speak to their heart and love on people like crazy. And our church, I promise you, you look back and you go back five years from now, six months from now, two weeks from now, and somebody's gonna walk in this door and they're gonna say, hey, because the church loved Kansas City, wouldn't that be cool? Like, because you loved, because you loved, because you loved, you're writing somebody's story. You make a difference in their life. I mean, that's the goal, amen? Now, we don't just do it as real life. We do it as the church. We just do it as Christians. This is who we are. We don't care who's the glory. It doesn't be our name, my name. It's Jesus' name. We don't care who it is. And so we just serve unashamedly. We say, man, I'm just doing it for God, man. I'm just laying down my life. It's my, it's my duty. It's my honor. It's my privilege to serve other people today. And I just want to encourage you to make somebody's defining moment today. Take the journey. No strings attached. The interruptions are a ministry. That you're called to cross the road, man. Take heart, man. Have a reckless love for people. Just like God pursued us, pursue other people recklessly. We talk about this song that God tear down the walls and God's climbed the mountains. Like, dude, wouldn't it be cool if that was a song like the church tore down the mountain, you know? And for some of you, you're gonna go on serve day and some of you are gonna tear down some walls, amen? And some of you might not climb a mountain, but you're gonna climb a ladder and you're gonna do a lot of cool stuff, but the church is gonna make a difference in the lives of people. And I'll encourage you to be that way. Be open-handed. Not because there's any obligation, we're open-handed because we can be. And then earn the right to be heard. Speak boldly, share your faith. Because when you serve people, man, I don't have anything to hide. I just do it because I love Jesus. And all of a sudden people, wow, you're crazy. I'm like, man, I just love people. We love people. And we get the privilege of writing somebody's story. So the question is simple. Who can you bless this week? Let's never be the church to ask the question, who is my neighbor? Let's never have to ask that. Let's pray today. Father God, we come before you. God, thank you so much for your most extravagant gift in history. Send your son Jesus to die on a cross for our sins. God, I pray you, you empower us, God. You embolden us to serve and to share Jesus. God, I pray we see all people not people just like us, not what religion sees, not what's comfortable, not what's easy. We see all people as people who need you, God. I pray that we'd serve people with humility, God, with a full heart, God, with joy, with passion. God, I pray for a church to be a church that lights up our community with just the light of the gospel. God, help us to be the hands and feet in Christ this week. And take a moment to pray. Maybe God's calling you to cross the road. Maybe there's somebody, some, somebody somewhere that God's put in your heart. He's calling you to make a difference in the life of somebody that's in the ditch. Now, I wonder how many of you today would say, hey, you know what? I want to be a blessing. I want to be used by God. I want to serve. I want to take action. I want to be the person that God uses. I want to be obedient. I want to have the right heart. I want people to thank God. I want lives to be changed. I want to write the story of God on somebody's heart today. If that's you and God's stirring you across, across this auditorium today, you want to cross the road, will you just lift your hands high right now? If that's you, and say, hey, I want to serve more. I want to be, make a difference. I see hands up. That's awesome. It's a prayer that I want everybody to have, that God make me more like Jesus who recklessly pursued me. God, we be faithful to you, God. I pray to help us to have the heart of compassion. God, I pray for those in the auditorium that say, hey, I just want to serve more. God, there's people that need me across the road. I don't want to walk by another side, God. I don't want to be religious. God, I don't want to be full of you today. God, I pray that we put others first. God, I pray you give us the heart and the sensitivity of your word, God, to see opportunities, not interruptions, but opportunities to meet people's needs. God, I pray for a community to be changed, God, where people will leave our community and say, man, thank God there was a church that sent people out. Thank God that the name of Jesus lifted up and people served me because my life is different. So I pray for our church to make a bigger difference for us to have opportunity to share who you are. As we continue praying today, maybe there's somebody here today that say, hey, I'll be honest with you, I'm the person in the ditch. I'm the person that is just a little lost. 
I'm just struggling. I don't know where I need to go and uh, my life just needs to change. And perhaps you've never really truly understood the good news of the gospel, that the reality that, that everybody, including me, has done things wrong. The Bible calls it sin, that sin separates us from God. But God did the most amazing thing, that he made us right with God by his grace through Jesus. God did something for us we couldn't do on our own. Jesus became sin on the cross. He died and rose again the third day for us. Why? So that anyone called in the name of Jesus can be saved, transformed, and forgiven. And I believe God brought many of you here today to hear the good news of the gospel. This is very news I'm talking about. That you're not made right with God by letting, by being a better you, by climbing out of the ditch. You're made right by God, by Jesus giving his life for you. That he became all of his goodness he gave to you by paying the price for sins on your cross. Maybe a day you'd say, hey, I need Jesus. I need out of the ditch. I've been trying for so long, but I need to make a difference and Jesus can change that. And so you realize the day that Jesus died for you, you recognize it's your day for forgiveness, that you say yes to Jesus, you yes to put your faith in him, that yes, you want new life in him. If that's you across this room without anybody looking around, would you just raise your hands? Not anybody looking around and say, hey, I say yes to Jesus. Anybody like that today and say, I need Jesus. I see one hand, that's awesome. Man, give it up, that's so crazy. But if that's you today, you'd say, hey, I need Jesus. I just want you to pray this prayer. Just pray in your heart, pray aloud, but say, Heavenly Father, forgive me for my sin. God, make me new, save me. God, make me right with you. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus to die for me. God, I pray for a new life. Give me your spirit. God, I will live for you. God, thank you for what you've done. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, give it up for the person who came to Christ today. It's so awesome. Very encouraging. Never, never, never gets old, man. Never gets old, people coming to Christ. This is the end of this podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss another inspirational podcast. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com.